I'm Mark Sullivan. I'm Delilah Lugo. And I'm Jason Kwasnicki. And we're here to ask you a question. Is a group not entitled to the audio of their podcast? No, says the man at Google, it belongs to the government. No, says the man at Apple, it belongs to Tim Cook. No, says the man at Spotify, it belongs to the people. We rejected those answers. Instead, we chose something different. We chose the impossible. We chose to reap the spoils. This is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> this is a podcast uh, about about uh, reaping the spoils of a game uh, that the three of us played. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive into one single game. Uh, this is the second episode. And we made the choice yes. to dive into that game. Yes. Because and... men decide... And slaves obey. <laughs> there we go. Hey, Delilah, what game are we talking about? Bioshock. Which the one? OG Bioshock, the oh, first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember when we when we picked this game. That was like a that was a question. Uh, Jason Jason decided on, or suggested this game, and Delilah, you asked, "Are we playing all three of them?" We we're like, "No, just the first one." But yeah, it's funny. Like I I. I Thought that was like, you know, well, God, we're not going to play all three of them. And then anytime I talk to somebody about, you know, um, yeah, we're, we're going to be playing Bioshock for the next episode. They asked all three of them. Wait, which one are you doing? It's like, <laughs> just just Bioshock, Bioshock one. Just God, <laughs> do we have yeah. do we look like we have 50 hours to go through every single game? No, in a definitely month? not. <laughs> no Jeez. way. Yeah, maybe in the future we can uh, dive into the other two. Or maybe just infinite. I don't know. Uh, people Although, are too hot yeah, on the second one. <laughs> I, I, I definitely want to dive into infinite because I had never touched it when it came out. Yeah, I've never played because it. Because I, I had never played the originals. Um, so I really didn't. I, I thought like I'd kind of be lost. But now I'm really uh, really interested in diving into that. But nice. but let us let us go on. Well, Bioshock One is and Bioshock One and Infinite are good for spoiler cast. Bioshock Two, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I hear that Bioshock Two is kind of just like filler for filling in gaps. Yeah, or backstory for the first one. Well, it's a mm-hmm. it, it's the hit sequel to the to the hot game coming out of two thousand seven. <laughs> But I digress. Yeah, let's talk about the first one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, no. Let's let's definitely just talk about the first one. <laughs> so I just want to uh, say before we start um, mixing up the format a little bit from last time. Last time, uh, I felt like we dived into certain aspects of the game uh, at, at one at a time, and I I personally didn't feel like it really worked out because as we went on to talk about other parts of the game, which was Resident Evil Two. Um, the first thing we started with was story, but more talk about the story came out later in the conversation. So I thought it might uh, lend well to kind of go through sections of the game from top to bottom and let it unravel from there. Certain key points that come out of those sections could lend to conversation kind of about, you know, we get introduced early on to the hacking, um, mm-hmm. Some of the the horror esque elements, the characters as they as they get introduced, yep. and and things like that. I, I I figured we'll we'll mix it up a little bit, see how see how it uh, pays off. But uh, Mark, would you kindly talk about the history of Bioshock? <laughs> <laughs> I would. Yes, that's one thing we're not going to mix up. I'm going to tell uh, talk a, a brief bit of history about the game we're talking about. 
Um, I don't really want to go too in depth with the history because there, uh, there's a lot of history, uh, surprisingly, with this game. And I'll make a suggestion. A little bit of the research I did was there is another podcast out there called Wizard and the Bruiser who did an episode on Bioshock that really delves into the history of the developer, Ken Levine, so on and so forth. So I'm going to truncate um, that oh, quite oh, a lot. What's up? Correction, I believe it's pronounced Ken Levine. No, I, so, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not, Jason. I, I, I am 100% sure. All right, so, so I'm going to say Levine. You can say Levine. I'm pretty <laughs> sure wanna, that's we, not we true. Don't wanna, we don't want to insult the man, okay? Okay, well, uh, Ken, if you're listening, no insult to you. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've heard your name pronounced Levine every single time I've heard your name spoken. So Has he ever said Levine? I don't think so. Uh, he might have. I don't know. Well, why didn't you do your research? All on right, this? we're gonna we're gonna go into the history of of Bioshock, if that's okay with you, Jason. I'll I'll concede. All right, cool. So, Bioshock was developed by Irrational Games, which was formed by Ken Levine out of his studio that he worked at, uh, Looking Glass Studios, um, which made the first System Shock. And Irrational Games created System Shock 2 in 1998, I believe, for PC exclusively. Um, System Shock 2 didn't sell well, but it was a critical darling. And people loved the game, but it just didn't do well. And EA, uh, Electronic Arts, actually rejected their proposal for a sequel to System Shock 2 uh, due to its poor sales. It's a story we know all too well, even in 2019. <laughs> in 2002, they developed this, uh, not really developed, but uh, came up with this concept around uh, three forces um, within some sort of setting. The one being the harvesters of a specific resource, one and one being the carriers of that resource, and the third being the protectors of the carriers of that resource mm -hmm. really kind of um they, they used drones for the concept uh but it was a pretty wide open kind of idea and this was an idea that got them a publishing offer from 2k so that all led to the development and release of bioshock which released uh, on August 21st, 2007 for PC and Xbox 360. Uh, came out a little over a year later for PS3, uh, OS X in 2009, then iOS in 2014 for iPads, and we got that HD collection that I'm pretty sure all of us used to play this game. Yeah. Uh, yep. That came in 2016. I actually didn't know about that history. I wonder if because in the HD remaster they included where you can find like director's notes. Yeah. In the world, and then a director's commentary rather. So I wonder if uh, he talks about the history of Bioshock that you just shared. And that was I a didn't nice... collect all of them. That was a nice. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, there were a couple I missed too. That was a nice little addition to the to the HD version. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that. And as uh you'll soon find out from from our discussions here the uh the game was heavily inspired by 
two major facets uh, philosophy, specifically the uh, philosophical writings of Ayn Rand and uh, lots of capitalism and the mm. escape from it um, with, with figures being inspired by uh, Rockefeller. Who in turn inspired Ayn Rand and all pretty circular. So yeah, that all being said, shall we uh, dive into the game? Yeah. Shall we dive from a from a plane crash? Would you say, maybe maybe into the into the deep deep ocean? I'm ready to go under that ocean and uh, reap the spoils. One might say. Maybe go somewhere beyond the sea. Somewhere <laughs> waiting oh, for I, me. I, I see. I see what you did there. <laughs> how many how many more uh, little puns and jokes and whatever the hell from uh, Bioshock are we going to incorporate <laughs> into this uh, episode? <laughs> it's so appropriate. Right. So uh right. yeah, let's really let's delve into the to the intro. You're when when you're on a plane, uh you get this little monologue about things happening and next thing you know there's a plane crash. Hmm. And swim to the lighthouse, go down that those spiral steps. You see that big statue of a of a scary man with the um one little slogan. And uh, yeah, get that that get that not so cheesy, not as cheesy as I used to introduce the show, but that um, very very iconic. And I hate using that word, but I feel like it's fitting and matching here. Uh, that iconic speech from Andrew Ryan mm-hmm. in the bathosphere on your way down is 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 how perfect is this introduction? It's perfect um i mean it, it's well it's kind of basic at first like crash landing somewhere and then you're like trying to figure like how to get out but then you're really just going deeper into wherever you are but then like the the little speech that he has in the beginning or whatever you want to call it um really set the tone and let's even extend that a little bit to reaching rapture getting having a a splicer kind of you know whack on the window of your bathosphere a mysterious right. man named Atlas, you know, tell you that you need to get out of there, help guide your way. You get introduced to all the main, or not not all the main key players, but um, a lot of the enemies you're going to see on your journey right off the bat in a in a very um just well done way. Yeah, th- in this sequence, it's even it works even better if uh, if you have no idea what the fuck objectivism is or Ayn Rand or any of that for, for the game. All right. It opens up pretty like, like we just said, with the plane crashes swimming around pretty standard action sequence. And all of a sudden you get into this bathosphere and some dudes telling you how you're going to basically the land of infinite capitalist opportunity. And you're like, you're just like, what, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And suddenly a zombie very, um, it puts fully on display uh, a bunch of different conflicting tones. You have that kind of aesthetic of, like you mentioned earlier, that Rockefeller aesthetic of the you know monument of capitalism versus the dystopian horror of a future of that capitalism gone awry. It you that that intro sequence does a very good job of uh, putting that all on display at once. And we get that introduction to the we get the introduction to the big daddies, little sisters, in a very action packed yet contained way. 
another another moment that really sticks uh, is is the woman with the uh, what do you call those baby carrier things? What the hell are they called? Uh, oh, um, a stroller. A stroller. Thank you. <laughs> I forgot what a stroller was. She is is Jesus is looking Christ. over. <laughs> she's looking over a stroller. Um, you zap her. You hit her with a wrench, and in the stroller was a revolver. Was yeah. it a child? It's just it. There's so much um so much haunting going on there even at the start and it, it just really sets the setting in, in such a unique and, and eerily beautiful way even before you see the woman in the stroller you kind of see the shadow of it as you're mm-hmm. walking no yeah it. yeah and then you turn the corner in there and then you see her and she's like really creepy looking and then like, like you said yeah then you get the revolver and it's not a baby so that that was really cool i even took a screenshot of it yeah it's it's just it's so eerie and 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 it, it it's really just perfect to to get you in the mindset of what the re- the next ten hours of your life are going to be. <laughs> so moving on, uh, from that intro sequence, we go immediately into the medical the medical pavilion, um, where we get introduced to our our first I don't I, I guess big bad, not even the big daddy, but um, yeah, Doctor Steinman. There are a bunch of um, sort of. Uh, can't really say mid bosses because they're not mid, but um, most Just of boss the, type mo- characters. Yeah, each, each 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 big area that you go to kind of has its own major enemy. I guess mm-hmm. you could call them. Yeah, there's an overarching story, and then each area has its own sub slash sad story associated with it that culminates or revolves around this uh, sub boss. Right. And most of these sub bosses were like scientists or doctors of some sort. They were like Artists. in a capitalistic world, what you would think is like an important figure, so to speak. Um, and, and, and so you're talking about Dr. Steinman, right? Yeah, Dr. Steinman. And he was a, a surgeon. Um, Who became uh, a, a perfectionist based right. on this whole idea of rapture uh, where you you have no barriers to scientific advancement. You have no barriers really to anything. The whole we never really talked about the whole purpose of rapture or even what rapture is. Um and we we don't really necessarily find out much until sometime in the game, but Andrew Ryan created rapture as a means to get away from the choke government has, the choke society has on your ability to advance. Right. And so not even just your like, ability, but humanity's ability. Yeah. Right. And he's very much supposed to be the not in ter- not in terms of historically who Rockefeller was, but he's supposed to be a Rockefeller esque figure in how he just he was a rich man on the surface world above and he just came down and poured his money into making this world where Essentially, one could theoretically live out the – and again, we mentioned Ayn Rand before, things like um, – what's it called? Virtuous egoism, rational, rational self-interest, virtuous egoism. Basically, the idea that the more, the only moral thing to do in life is to pursue your own happiness, uh, that um, – Christ, I, I had 
reread my Ayn Rand and looked up all these terms and I've completely forgotten them. Oh, look at uh, you, you nerd. <laughs> oh, I had to read this shit. That I, hey, man, have any of you read Atlas Shrugged? Look, look at them reading books no. while we just want to talk about <laughs> video games. I read, that, I read that shit in high school. That's, that's think, actually think, very impressive. Where do you think the name Atlas came from? I, I mean, um, I know. But, uh, but yeah, the idea of these ideas that uh, helping other – like literally there, there's an idea within the philosophy of objectivism, which Ayn Rand was the head of. You can call it a philosophy. Some would say it was a cult back in the day. But uh, uh, the idea that there's nothing inherently moral in helping other people should only be helping yourself. The idea that art is a ref- reflection of your own identity, a um, b- bunch of other stuff like that. But yeah, part of that, um, the idea that what's his name, the scientist, Doctor uh, Steinman, the the idea that he believes that there is no moral boundary to science uh, comes from that um, that there is no inherent mor- or objective morality. There is only the f- fulfillment of your own happiness, which in this case is the development of what we come to know as plasmids and Adam. Uh, um, Adam. Yeah. And, and in his case specifically, um, he was a plastic surgeon who mm-hmm. be- became obsessed with perfection. Right. And then wind up screwing up anyway because he was like going crazy and nothing was ever good enough for him. And... Yes, that is that, and that that's a really, um, really haunting look at the idea of perfectionism and, and how it can it can drive you mad. Yeah. And 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 again, that goes to the game doing a great job of displaying the philosophy uh, that it's observing. And then showing both, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even necessarily say it shows the good of it, but showing how it can go horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. When I played this in two thousand nine, um, I was just hitting adulthood, and I really didn't make the connection, like the philosophical connection. I thought when they set that tone with Dr. Steinman, I thought the point of the game is that there was this obsession with perfectionism and like all these you know, women went crazy because they didn't get what the doctor promised them. But then eventually you see like, no, it's deeper than that. And each character has their own kind of fits like this philosophy that you're talking about, Jason, um, in, in their own unique way. And he was just kind of like the start of all of it. So it was interesting replaying that as like a full blown adult 31, uh, and like actually seeing like, no, it's not just about, uh, surgery. Um, (laughs) And, and perfectionism, is, and and also we the, this is the first real example within the game, uh, just just to tie along uh, with the patience that the doctor had. This is the first real example of uh, in the game where we start collecting audio tapes to kind of piece together that past. Yeah, and, so and really you... see um, what happened to to make things in Rapture become this way. Right. Like when you said, like in the beginning, we didn't really talk about what Rapture is. You don't really learn about what Rapture is until you start listening to the audio tapes. Yeah. And there's like 
over a hundred. So like, there's so many mini stories and overarching stories that you you won't necessarily hear unless you collect them all. And I thought that was a really cool way to tell the story, but it was also really annoying when you don't get all the audio tapes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it does it does help paint a clearer picture. You also uh, I I shouldn't say this is the first example because it actually happened in the welcome sequence. You learn about like this this huge attack that happened on New Year's Day. Which is seemingly when everything went to shit within within Rapture, uh, which you don't really learn about until later. But mm-hmm. that starts to paint the picture really early on as to how messed up the city became, uh, despite being deemed a utopia. Uh, quotes around that word, obviously. Um, so, also happening in this sequence, we get introduced to this three forces concept. Hint, hint, wink, wink. This was a, this was the the concept that got them that publishing deal, and uh, it it basically uh, formulated itself formulated itself as the big daddies and the little sisters and you, the player. Uh, we meet Tenenbaum, who does not want you to kill the little sisters. Uh, but the little sisters contain Adam, and this is where you're given your first like real choice. Do you harvest her and get more of this resource, or do you save her, get less of it, but maybe you get rewarded later for saving them? You don't really know what that reward is until you actually get it. And then when you right. get it, it's just a teddy bear full of Adam. Yeah. <laughs> items. It's, it's, and, it's delayed Adam. Yeah. And... Real quick story wise, because I, I was getting the impression obviously Dr. Tenenbaum was a survivor of of some sort of imprisonment. Although in terms of the timeline, I don't think it would make sense for her to be a Holocaust survivor. It, w- was she supposed to have been from the Soviet Union? I, I I don't think it ever really explicitly said. I feel like that was explored in an audio tape and I just can't remember off the top of my head. But she definitely did face some form of oppression and 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 wasn't the most wasn't the most kindly person. And 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 being in charge of taking care of these little girls definitely changed that in her. Uh and we kind of get that that uh progression of, of her character through those audio tapes. And you also learn later on, which I'm sure we'll get to, kind of like, she's kind of like the catalyst to a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And probably more fucked up than you think just saying that she's like, you know, doing whatever with these little sisters. Um, but she's a really interesting character. But I don't want to I don't want to talk about the spoilers yet, but we'll get there. Well, we can we can go into them. We can go into some right now. I, this okay. is hey Delilah. This is a spoiler whole, cast. Yeah, we're we're reaping the spoils right now. Yeah, we have to reap them all. That's we can't true. leave any That's behind. True. Actually, I and I I feel bad. I don't remember if I mentioned at the top of the show. Yes, this is a spoiler cast. If you haven't played this game, <laughs> I, I feel like it should be obvious. And I I at Good least job, mentioned Mark. it's a spoiler cast at the top. Um, if you haven't played this game and you intend to pause. Before we spoil anything else for you, this is still really early on in the game, so uh, pause, come back to this later, go play Bioshock 1. It's like a 12-hour game, and it will it, it will change your outlook on on games like it forever. Uh, carry by way, on. By the way, What's up? to 
back to what I said earlier. It's rational egoism, not rational self-interest. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you for that clarification. For all you philosophy buffs out there. All, right? you, all you philosophers? Yeah, yes. philosophizers. Philosophizers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um yeah, Delilah, let's let, we can we can dig into Tenenbaum and well, if if it's an event that happens later in the game, we can we can wait on it. But there is something yeah, let's, yeah. let's something that uh, there is something I don't mind getting into right now with at least with the little sisters. Um and that goes into a a, a major point I want to make about the game. It does its homework. Yeah. Like if you have a question about how something works, chances are it gives it to you in 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 an audio in an audio tape somewhere. Um, with the little sisters and Adam, Adam was uh, f- discovered by finding these these sea slugs at the very very bottom of the sea. You, you and... even find out what the fucking sea slugs eat. Like there's some special krill. Yeah, some shit something like that. Audio, like it goes into detail. I I honestly find very little. There, there's some fuzziness with with certain plot elements later in the game that. You kind of just have to take for granted, but overall, there's an answer to ninety nine percent of the questions you might have while while playing through this game. In and they're either found in an audio tape somewhere or explicitly told to you somewhere, what have you. It's yeah. it's just very very thorough in telling its narrative and setting the the, the setting. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Tannenbaum is basically the person that d- wanted to study these slugs because the slugs had the atom in it, right? Yes. And she just kind of like was proposing this to people and everyone was like, ah, whatever, like we're not going to like help you out with that because she, she needed funding. And then eventually like Fontaine agreed to fund her project and kind of used it against against like the way she wanted she wanted to use it to like heal people and help people out and genetically modify them in in a positive way sort of but then he kind of took it and ran with it and used kind of like her knowledge and did bad things with it which you know we'll get into deeper later right on um but yeah she's pretty much the catalyst to like she's one of the catalysts besides like andrew ryan about how, how all this crazy shit went down in this underwater city Right. Going back to the going back to the sea slugs and their usage, they were injected into the little girls. The whole harvesting or saving um, mechanic uh, is explained through the harvesting is ripping the sea slug out of them, uh, saving them. She gives you a plasmid, which we really didn't talk about plasmids yet. Uh, she gives you a plasmid that allows you to safely, uh, I think, kill the sea slug within them, and it just kind of stays in there. I don't really know. Um, but all Adam, Adam really is a, is a key player in all the weird, crazy special abilities you get because it genetic, genetically modifies your DNA and rewrites its code as Atlas, as Atlas puts it. Um, the first one you get being the electro bolt that turns you into coal from infamous before that game even came out. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> but you get other ones, you're able to spurt bees from your wrists and yeah. light things on fire like Roy Mustang can and yeah basically these are genetic within the story of the game these are genetic modifications that's come as a result of all this experimentation on these little girls yeah uh, and just another thing 
story well this is more theme wise and and i just wanted to throw this quote in there from ayn rand real quick because i think it's really it's really important theme wise delilah up again get a load of this nerd over here (laughs) i wrote this down specifically because it's important with this mechanic no this is time this is great go ahead every time you so every time you defeat one of the big daddies and you have the opportunity to either harvest or you're given the choice to either harvest the slug from the little sister, which kills them, um, but you get more at them, or you can rescue them, where, as Mark said, you inject a plasmid, which converts them back to normal little girls. You get less at them, but you save the little girl. Um, and this this theme of choice uh, is an important theme that will be reoccurring. We'll see it kind of come to full fruition towards the end but i just wanted to throw this quote in there right now from ayn rand um let's see thinking is not an automatic function in any hour and issue of his life man is free to think or to evade that effort thinking requires a state of full focused awareness the act of focusing one's consciousness is volitional man can focus his mind to a full active purposefully directed awareness of reality or he can unfocus it and let himself drift in a semi-conscious daze merely reacting to any chance stimulus of the immediate moment at the mercy of his undirected sensory perceptual mechanism and of any random social associational connections it might happen to make so yo drop mic (laughs) that was so beautiful i think i might cry (laughs) <laughs> no thank you jason Bas- for that that was that was good basic basically to summarize the primary focus of a man's free will is the choice to think or not to think quote unquote all right Mark, continue that's deep <laughs> it's almost so- as deep as rapture is in the ocean <laughs> oh shit <laughs> so I, I think it's worth noting so adam right is in used in little sisters because they don't go crazy like everyone else right. which is the splicers which is the main like enemies that you're facing in the rapture um the atoms kind of making them go crazy in addition to being like underwater with no sun and isolated from like the world um but the little sisters kind of like produce more Adam for some reason and I don't it's know. kind of a mystery why it doesn't affect them in the same way Right. Or at least it's, that's what the tapes Tenenbaum like can't figure out why it and it's particularly girls, not boys. Right. Yeah that 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 was a a, a mystery. I might have been uh, hinted there might have been hinted at a uh, at a a reason for that. I I kind of don't remember. There were a lot of tapes. It's hard to keep track of every single one of yeah. them. Right. Like, I know. Like, like I said, there... this this game did its homework. Yeah. But we still don't know why there aren't little brothers or like big mamas, you know? Right. <laughs> big... but... Oh damn! And the and and <laughs> to go back to an explanation for everything, big daddies are are gen- genetically modified uh, men, um, kind of sealed in these suits and programmed through Adam to protect the little sisters. And there's some connection between them uh, that you come to learn more about. As the game progresses. 
And although the big daddies and the little sisters aren't like the main character, the main character that we're playing as is Jack. They're like, you don't know Jack. what Jack looks like. Yeah. yeah. He, like who? No, nobody cosplays as Jack. Like we cosplay as big daddies and little sisters. You I know? feel like the only way to cosplay as Jack would be to get that little tattoo on your tattoo. wrist. <laughs> yeah. Dress, dress yeah, in generic 1960s attire. Which is a tattoo of a chain. Yes. If you were paying attention. Yes. Again, I was paying going attention. back to my quote. All right, nerd. <laughs> Put the books back on the shelf. It's time to talk about video games. All right, let's go. Next part. Yes, we got to move on from. We, we've been on the uh, opening section and the first real area of the game for like 20 minutes now. Which, so. which shows you how much shit is packed into well, this game. Well, there's a lot that gets introduced right there at the start. Yeah. So I think I think it's fair. Um so let's move on. The, the, I I put this next big chunk all together um it's because it's 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 four areas that kind of all kind of coincide with one another. Uh those being Neptune's Bounty, Smuggler's Hideout, Arcadia, and the Farmer's Market you all go to next and you face off against Old Peachy and his delightful paranoia. Yes. So I didn't really understand Old Peachy's story and what pur- purpose he served. I, it was really, uh, really this whole section of the game, This, uh, in, from what I could gather, um, was to really, in further painting the past, um, really showing the divide that happened in Rapture between Andrew Ryan and the mysterious Frank Fontaine. Mm-hmm. We get that Who was apparently a smuggler. Yes, and we get that uh, impression from Peachy's uh, paranoia. He's paranoid that you're an agent of Fontaine. Everyone is seemingly terrified of Fontaine. You gather that mm-hmm. from the from from Peachy, but also the audio tapes. Again, audio tapes. They're right. so important to really getting this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and you even see allusions to a figure called Atlas the man talking to you on the intercom who wants you to help save his family with a weird scottish accent with the weird scottish accent but the this section of the game really really helps illustrate that more and and you really see that these these there's these two divides that just hate each other which is wait for... was it scottish or irish i don't know irish was it irish, irish i don't yeah. know I, I mix those two up too it's all right they're similar. They're basically right over next to each other. Yeah, over the water. <laughs> but... Over the river, yeah. <laughs> um... <All> bagpipes. <laughs> Kilts. <laughs> yes. They're they're kilt brethren. <laughs> uh but this this divide that we see between these two is uh further accentuated by you reaching Atlas's family or or the bathosphere that they are that they are supposedly in, and Andrew Ryan blows it up. Yeah, just kills his family, and yeah. Atlas is very very sad. Mm. And understandably he's so, he's the man that's helping you. That happens. That's a horrible thing. We really clearly get some sympathies developed for him. If we didn't already, from the fact that he's helping you, Andrew Ryan just blew up his family. Right. Uh, that really yeah, from the, from the beginning, Atlas is kind of at least um, implying that he wants to get the fuck out of there as well, just as much as you do. Um, 
So you kind of see him as a peer. Yeah. Even though we never see his face, um, you really just hear him over the intercom. And he kind of randomly just starts talking to you out of nowhere. It's weird. Yeah. And you get this, you get the very generic, um, I don't know, just plaster face on the intercom thing to give you a face to a name, even if it isn't a uh, accurate face necessarily. We don't really know. Right. But that section of the game really, really helps to paint that picture. Uh, something we haven't, I think by this point, we really get every single variety, but we could talk a little bit about the, the combat. Oh, yeah. After all, this is a first person shooter, which is not a new genre, but I feel like it's a little more than that. Or, and not, not more, but different. It's like a first-person shooter mixed with RPG, mixed with, uh, hmm, yeah, it's almost else. like the first-person shooter aspect is is just a means to an end to give you uh something to or a a way to perform combat scenarios, but without revealing, or I guess while maintaining the um the immersion of right. this is kind of a faceless man that you are supposed to project yourself onto. Right. If you haven't played the game, don't think Call of Duty. Think <laughs> think Half-Life or maybe more aptly Skyrim with guns. You guys want to... Deus Ex or um, Dishonored. Yeah, I, I haven't played Deus Ex, but Dishonored might be a, a better, a good example, yeah. You guys want to hear something um, embarrassing? Uh-oh. What? I didn't know until like the last quarter of the game that you actually could aim down the sights. <laughs> Wait, you, you can aim down the sights. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, I feel a lot better. Yes, if uh, you I didn't know that if you it's click, it's not useful. Really. No, I mean it isn't. It is at times, just very, spl- very rarely. <laughs> the splicers move so rapidly that like it's easier to just but but but. I mean, if you if if you haven't caught their if you haven't caught their attention yet, and you're using like the crossbow. You can you can pretty easily snipe some enemies, um, even big daddies. It came in useful sometimes. But yes, mm-hmm. if you click the right stick in, you can aim down the sights. That blew my fucking mind. Was that in the original as well? Or was that just an addition to? It was probably the... in the original, and I just yeah don't remember it. Yeah, me either. But <laughs> how do you uh? By by this point in the game, you have a steady arsenal. How did how did you guys feel about the gunplay? So I really liked the variety. They had flamethrowers, machine guns, shotguns, pistols, rocket launchers, crossbows, and they each had a variety of ammunition. Like you had like uh, like armored piercing bullets that were good against big daddies and turrets and um, bots, and then you had like auto personal bullets that were good against spli- all almost all the splicers really. Pretty much any um, human being, just straight up human being type yeah. enemy. Yeah, and even the fl- flamethrower wasn't just like a generic flamethrower. Like you, you can also shoot ice from it. You can shoot uh, electric yeah. gel, whatever the yeah. fuck that yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I'm... the frag grenades. Some of them like were trip wires. Some of them were sticky grenades. It was just like very, very in depth. There's de- definitely a lot of variety. There's definitely a lot of choice choices to be made. Like you, you can go through this game without ever touching certain weapons. And when it comes to progression, vis-a-vis 
you know, all the different plasmids and the different um, uh, abilities you unlock as you gain Adam. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not possible to get everything. Yeah, it's not possible to get everything. Um, so there, are, there's definitely a lot of choices to be made. Uh, a lot of customization to your individual play style, for example, with the shotgun. Aside from you know, you're just just your regular slug rounds. You also get ele- electric shotgun rounds, yeah. electric and, buck, and, and, and explosive and exploding buck. ones, which was my go-to. Basically, every time you could stop at a station and build ammunition or buy it, that's all I would make because big daddies are weak to it. So, and the elect the electric ammunition as well as your electric abilities. When you shock somebody, they get stunned. So you right. basically just pound a big daddy with fucking electric buck and then finish them off with exploding rounds. Like, right. That was my go-to, but, you know, someone else might. Yeah, know, I never used. Take someone up on the crossbow. I never even used my explosive buck. I never even used the chemical thrower. I, like, wow. once I once I got that crossbow, it was all about that crossbow. Yeah, that crossbow was rolling. Oh, that thing is so good. The crossbow was the crossbow was my backup if I ran out of ammo because it's basically a one hit kill on splicers. Yep. That thing was so good. You could kill a big like fully upgraded and even late in the game, you could kill a big daddy in like four hits with that thing. Right. It was so useful. One of the good design elements of the game as well is that it always keeps you on your toes in terms of ammo management. I never felt like I had a surplus of ammunition. See, early on, I felt that way. Later in the game, I, I, you, I really had to try to run out of resources. So, so that's the other genre I was looking to bring it in with, along with RPG and first-person shooter, is survivor horror. Like, it definitely has that element to it um, because of the resource management. But I felt like that was good because it, when I ran out of one gun i would just switch to another gun and i was able to try different guns like that kind of forced me to in a way um, right. whereas otherwise i probably would have just stuck to what i was comfortable with yeah i you guys didn't run or didn't have a surplus of ammo i had a surplus had... of ammo i didn't care about wow, okay. <laughs> right. i guess exactly. i guess that makes sense like i was i i did not use the chemical thrower or the um or the grenade launcher really at all until like the final 10% of the game. So I was pissed because I I would always be out of, you know, my machine gun and shotgun ammo. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I realized I fucking like heat seeking missiles (laughs) and a flamethrower that just devastates everything that I'd just been carrying around and using. And I had assumed the crossbow would be useless. And then that was until, I was out of everything else and had to pull it out, and suddenly I realized I had a one-hit kill weapon. Yes. So, uh... You fool. <laughs> um, Did you guys find yourself using plasmids more than the weapons? No. No. Yeah, same. There were I lots of times where I forgot that I had plasmids at my disposal. Right. Yeah. I only use plasmids uh, if the environment required it to like unlock something. Or if I was going up against a big daddy, uh, you just shock him. Yeah. My uh, <laughs> my 
realization that oh i need to use plasmids more is any time that i would uh have nine eve hypos and there'd be one and i couldn't pick it up <laughs> yeah it's yes. like oh i should i should really be using my i should really be using my plasmids more so then i'll st- i'll do that for like a good 15 minutes use up maybe three eve hypos and be like okay i'm using too many eve hypos let's go back to let's go back to guns <laughs> and then the cycle would continue a... <laughs> there was a point though where i realized uh that with telekinesis you could um you could grab rocket shot at you midair yes. and launch them back. Yeah. I didn't realize that until like halfway through the game. <laughs> I actually I I remembered that trick because way back in the day when I was playing the game for the first time, uh there's two different uh big daddies that you can face, which are the bouncers who have the they're, they're the probably the most iconic design, the one with the drill on the arm, uh that's featured on the cover art of the game. Mm-hmm. And there's the Rosies who have a rivet gun and toss proximity mines at you. And I remembered this from way back when. when I They're all my... named Mr. Bubbles, by the way. <laughs> well, they're all referred to as Mr. Bubbles. But anyway, um, a mine was, would come at me and I'd use telekinesis to grab it and throw it back at the Rosie. And that was that was my that. primary way of of facing off against the Rosies really early on in the game when they were much more challenging than they are later. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get we'll get into that uh, little discussion topic a little later. Wait, do you guys have a favorite plasmid? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I um... like the Electro Bolt because you can ha- you can. Like you said, shock enemies to stun them, or turrets were everywhere, or security cameras to hack them. Not to them. mention the uh, there's there's the the one two punch. Yeah. Zap and hit with the wrench, and the and the most interesting, in in my opinion, just from a design perspective. But if an enemy's in water, shock the ground or or right. shock the water, right. immediate incapacitation. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, and I, even even the wrench that you mentioned, <clears throat> like eventually you upgrade a kind of I don't know if it's like a tonic or it's a perk of some sort where you can like hit someone with a wrench and it'll freeze them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like even the like measly little wrench became useful eventually. <laughs> yeah, the tonics the tonics do a lot to they're they're act as plasmids, but they they really help with the RPG elements, I guess, as you put it, Delilah, in in customizing how customizing to your. Uh, likes and play dislikes style, of how yeah. you want to play. Yeah, your play style. That's that's a better way of putting it. <laughs> and, and speaking of perks, we didn't even touch on. There's Adam, which can be used as a currency to buy new or upgrade plasmids. Um, can also buy you perks, which there there are various slots. You upgrade how many slots you have. These slots are spread out in different categories: combat, engineering. Um, I believe hat. What is it? Is no. it endurance or stamina? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I uh, there are like five. There are four or five different categories um, that affect the game in various ways. You know whether it has to do with you know hacking, uh, safes, and uh, security uh, platforms and cameras and other different things. Uh, whether it has to do with just pure combat upgrading your health your endurance against damage all, all sorts of things resistances uh again if this conversation hasn't made it clear one of the things that truly makes this game great even if one 
isn't totally satisfied because the the gunplay, especially in 2019, going back, uh, first person shooters have evolved so much. The gunplay definitely does seem a bit dated in some ways. I don't know because I even there's the main complaint around its gunplay is, is that it's unsatisfactory. But I found it packed quite a nice punch. I, I well, could... I, I I personally enjoyed it as well, just because I enjoy that older style, like that Half Life style of slower, a slower overall pace, com- and compared to something like today's Call of Duty or, or Destiny. Um, where you have fast-paced gameplay. It's not like a Twitch shooter. Yeah, Twitch Twitch shooters. Lots of movement-focused abilities. High times to kill. Um, you know, things of that nature. Um, so for some, uh, a younger gamer going back to this game, it might seem a bit outdated. But I, I, I definitely would agree with you, Mark. But I, I definitely think the strongest strength overall of the gameplay is the variety and the choice that you're presented with and just the the complexity and the balance of the progression system the only thing i really disliked about the combat is that the everyone hurt a lot and you would wind up going in the vitor chamber a lot on the bright side when you respawned whatever damage you did remained there but it was also kind of annoying to like if you were facing a lot of enemies like die and have to go back and fight them again. Like I kind of wish I was a little stronger and had less time in the Vita chamber, but that could just be because I suck. Cause there is a trophy to do it without using the Vita chamber. Which so I'm sure I, people... I did. No, you did. not <laughs> I did. Yeah. Oh my God. Was it bad? Eh, it wasn't too bad. Okay. You just, so... my, I think I was telling, I was telling you guys as we were playing through the game, um, I I kind of suck at save management, and I'll I'll reach a point in in like a level where I'll say to myself, okay, it's been like twenty minutes, I really should save, and I think no, I can go a little further without saving, I I'll be fine, and then I'll get right to the end of the level, and something stupid will happen, I'll die, and I have to since without Vita chambers, you have to rely on your ability to manually save manual the game, save? yeah. Okay, so like if you die and you manually save five minutes ago, you won't respawn in a Vita chamber. You'll just start where you were. Oh, that's well, easy. You have to you have to load it. But my again, my main problem is I need to get it in my head that yeah, save every five minutes, you right. dummy, so that you're not constantly losing an hour's worth of progress. Like what happened to me where yeah. I didn't save for three hours twice. I lost <laughs> six hours because my game froze twice. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll do that. Platinum yeah. the game. Yeah, it's it's it I I did get the platinum. It's not that it's uh, really not that bad. I know. Um but anyway, I want to double back because we never answered your question, Delilah. I would say that Electro Bolt is probably the most useful plasmid. But my favorite's probably hypnotize Big Daddy. Because oh. <laughs> it's just so badass to to get a big daddy on your side. Someone hits you and he just wrecks house. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, fucks also, their day up. Yeah. They're brolic as hell. They're also really cute. So I felt bad killing them just to, like, uh, rescue a little sister. And it was nice <laughs> yeah. to be able to have them by my side because they're so cute. You'd, you'd, rather, you almost, you'd almost rather you almost kill the little bad. sister? 
Well, you, I, yeah. Be, <laughs> Go ahead, Jason. I would also be a big daddy, but you know. Oh, no. I was just going to say, you almost feel bad when you see a big daddy banging against the wall oh, yeah. where the little holes oh, are, yeah. where the little sisters come out. After you've already, you know, either harvested it or rescued the little, little sister, the game will keep spawning big daddies and they'll just walk around looking for the little sister and it's cute. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you feel bad. But, uh, but I, I think we should. We should move yes, on let's, to let's let's move on next to section. Yeah, which is uh, Fort Frolic, and personally, my most my favorite uh, side villain of the of the game, so to speak, uh, Sander Cohen. The, so the why, why was she your favorite side villain? Sander. Yeah, Sandra. I thought it was Sandra. No, it's Sandra. Sandra. No, no. He's a dude. I I don't know. Sandra could be both names. I I think he's a kooky. (laughs) He's a kooky, crazy man that uh, is. He's he's deranged artist, and the the whole area of Fort Frolic basically is uh, what it was like a shopping mall almost with a with a theater attached to it. Yeah, yeah. And a bar and yeah. And casino, uh, there was a casino in there. Dude, there was a record shop, Rapture Records. Yeah. That's my jam. But he tasks you with your trusty research camera uh, to go around and kill these key players that are in the, the, the area and take pictures of their dead bodies to put on his mm-hmm. masterpiece, um, which is this big art sculpture of, of these people covered in wax and photo frames that you had to place photos within. Yeah, that was part of the mission, but also you use the camera to see weaknesses for all of the enemies, yeah. which I thought was really cool. You do use the, the, the camera. Is That's another key like gameplay mechanic that I, I feel like we should say. like This game has this loaded with different mechanics um, that, that bear at least a, a mention. But the research camera... Uh, you can use to you know, take photos, and you get sometimes you get like combat tonics and, and another another useful tonics. Uh, damage increases on enemies. Uh, probably the most useful uh, research upgrades, in my opinion, were for the security or for the the security bots and the turrets to automatically just hack them upon pressing the square button. Yeah, that was so useful because this is something we could we could talk about this real quick. Hacking just gets so monotonous later in the game. So let's just say hacking is optional, right? You can hack shops, you can have hack ammunition shops, but you can hack security cameras so that they don't summon turrets if to kill it's, you. If it's something mechanical, let's just put it this way. If it's a, something mechanical, you can hack it. Right. It's like... Exactly. Anything. And they, it, it, they're they everywhere. Like, you'll find turrets everywhere. You'll find security cameras everywhere. So you're constantly hacking. You probably spend more time hacking than killing splicers. <laughs> <laughs> True. I did. And it's yeah. a neat little uh, hacking mini game. Is it's neat at first until you realize how much time it takes every single time, and especially if you suck. <laughs> wow, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I agree. I agree. Even though I, I did it, and I personally enjoyed it, I started to realize because I was doing it so much that actually the game will. Mm, 
more often than not, if you don't have uh, specific perks assigned for hacking, um, more often than not will spawn you in unwinnable situations. Mm-hmm. And the way yeah. that they kind of let you get around that, they, 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 to their credit, they give you uh, other methods of handling you can it. Buy, you can buy it out. You can buy it out. You can use an automatic hack tool that just does it for you. And I wound up using the buyout option a hell of a lot more in the latter quarter of the game because Same. I was constantly just flush with cash. Yeah. Right. Like I was I hope... maxing out my cash all the time. Yeah. I hope if they ever recreate uh, another Bioshock um, that whatever hacking you do towards like a vending machine will impact the next vending machine. Cause like you're hacking, let's say you're hacking a vending machine. You might not ever go back to that vending machine and you hacked it for no reason, maybe to like buy one or two things, but like there's vending machines like at every checkpoint. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just wish that that hacking was a progression for all vending machines. Um, I guess it's a, yeah. it's a means almost to try and find, you know, this is where I'm setting up. This is like home base for me in this level. So I'm going to hack this one because it's the one I can most efficiently get back to. But yeah. if it's a linear level, that doesn't really lend to that kind of mechanic. Well, even if it's a linear level and there's another one as you progress, what you hacking that first one will kind of oh, no. level up I, the uh, second one. I agree with that suggestion, like wholeheartedly. I'm 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 saying like the way that they, the way that they, I guess, intended for it to work, just it, 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 it was somewhat inefficient, and that yeah. would definitely aid that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the 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 hacking definitely got monotonous. This is also a point in the game where I feel that you're you've reached a couple. Uh, there's weapon upgrade points. Each weapon, except for the wrench, um, has two different upgrades that you can get. And by now you're starting to get an upped arsenal, a full arsenal, and the enemies aren't necessarily scaling with you. And everything just begins, at this point, I'd say, to become a little a little more just tedious to do. Especially given that the amount of damage they do to you, even if you're maxed out in your upgrades... Um, it's it's almost annoying. It gets to the point of being annoying because you're at times you could just be choking down first aid kits, even though it's not necessarily difficult to kill splicers. And at one point, like I was alluding to before, with the shotgun shells, it I could literally melt big daddies um, in just a few shotgun shell hits. Uh, I would still take a one hit and like half my life would be gone and I would just have to right. throw down a, a first aid kit for the hell of it. Um, that that's, that definitely is a criticism of the game is the difficulty scaling. Yeah. No, I'd, I, 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 yeah, for sure. And like the fact, I, I alluded to this earlier, like being able to kill a big daddy with like four crossbow bolts when the first one you encounter you're running around that medical pavilion trying not to die. And I ran out of ammo like yeah. three times. Like, <laughs> yeah. But jumping back to Fort Frolic and Sander Cohen. Sander Cohen, who is a uh, – I, I, I believe he was either a musician or – he was generally an artist. He was an artist. Yeah. It, yeah. It looked like he was doing film and music and 
and the stuff. part of why I find him to be such an interesting side villain, besides just like you know, how fucked up he is, uh, in in taking taking pleasure and using essentially these people that you're murdering for his art. Uh, once you complete his masterpiece, that's it. You can move on, and you don't have to fight him. You right. can just. Leave. But I did. You I, did. I, I, I killed his sick ass. <laughs> But I, I, I just find that I, I didn't until later. And we'll, we could talk about that when, when we get to that point. But mm-hmm. I left. I left him alive to admire his, his <laughs> disgusting piece of art. Um, Another quick thing with this area, and it's really a testament to, you know, we, men- we keep mentioning like, oh, yeah, this was mentioned in the tapes. Uh, you're just going through this area looking for one of Sanders' Um, you know, little enemies, and you just come across a dead. Uh, I think she's supposed to be like a stripper, or or pole dancer, or something if, if, in, in I a bar. Believe she was an exotic, some exotic performer. Exotic, yeah. Um, and she's just dead in the back of the bar on a bed. Yeah. And there's some. There, she has a couple of you know tape recordings talking about you know it alludes to her being pregnant and. Mm-hmm. Uh, like looking for an abortion or having some sort of relationship with uh, Ryan. Uh, again, just a testament to how just walking around this place and you know looking for these tapes, all the little details and it it really spins a giant web. Each um, area has its own story and tone, and also connects it to the bigger story. Right. Again, the substore is all tying back into that overarching narrative, which brings us to yes, I, I I wanted to say she is secretly a big part in in what's to come next. Uh, after we go through the next area, uh, not really much to say about that one specifically. It's mostly just a just to get through to Ryan, and finally, you drop into a control room and you see you know that 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 there's that meme that scene from uh it's always sunny in philadelphia with um i think it's i think it's charlie you know looking all crazy and and there's the photos on the (laughs) cork board with the yarn yeah Yeah, we we get that except a lot less funny (laughs) we we get the conspiracy theory board with the yarn and and the photos but it has basically all the characters that you've really met by name and seen or heard tapes from and, and including characters you've killed and written in what I would assume is blood on that board over all these things is would you kindly <laughs> and this is when everything starts to kind of unravel itself and there's um back to audio tapes there are more audio tapes in that room from dr su chong and this really helps allude to what's what's to come next and also hits hits that point home again they did their homework um the reason vita chambers work is they they rematerialize someone's they rematerialize rematerialize somebody in one place um and they before everything went down, were programmed to only work for Andrew Ryan and people that share his DNA. Mm-hmm. And 
Su Chong also goes into an, uh, an audio tape about mind control uh, experiments using uh, trigger words and a tape about Andrew Ryan's supposed child. And from there... We, are, we already know about Jasmine Jolene, the exotic dancer, having a relationship with Ryan. And just as a preface to all of this, Mark mentioned, would you kindly being written across the wall... Quite literally, almost every sentence that Atlas speaks to you over the radio begins with, would you kindly? Mm-hmm. And it's also a, a, a big point that in the in the very beginning, the intro sequence, you're on that plane, and he's holding a gift of some manner, and on the little note on the gift, would you kindly is written. Yeah. Fast forward to, I don't know, 10 seconds from this revelation and you meet Andrew Ryan. Playing mini golf. Playing (laughs) playing mini golf. (laughs) Patiently waiting, working on his uh, putt game. And uh, even though it's not really going to matter for much longer for him, to which he he triggers you to to murder him. Just one of the best. It's not only my personal favorite part of the game, but... When I played that, one of my – it has quickly become one of my favorite scenes in any game ever. And it ties directly back into that quote from Ayn Rand um, that the definition of free will is a man's choice to think or not to think. And to subject – by not thinking, to subject themselves to any random outside force. Or in the in the event of the main character here, Jack, uh, he is literally being mind controlled. Yes, and we find and we find out you know, he's been mind controlled this whole time. He's the child of Ryan, uh, and the yes, the exotic dancer. And th- this is this is the one part I I was talking about earlier that I think is a little fuzzy. Is that he's really technically only like two years old? Yeah, I think what happened is Font, uh, sorry, T- T- uh, Tannenbaum or and Fontaine used the atom to age him. Yeah, yeah, he's not naturally. He was not. He, he's he, not a man. He, yeah, the timeline wouldn't make sense with him if he was like naturally, you know, grown up. He he is some sort of genetic mutation that that i think they made clear which i i personally i find is just really goofy but that's the one thing that i feel we just kind of have to take for granted and 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 accept in this in this crazy world of um scientific advancement and genetic uh alteration but that all being said did you sorry delilah did you want to add something no no go ahead okay uh, that all being said, you murder your father with a golf club, and Atlas is not who he claimed he was. <laughs> what a surprise. Uh, Atlas reveals himself to be Frank Fontaine. He drops the Irish accent in favor of, what the hell, like, New York mobster? Yeah. So, well, <laughs> well, he was a, he, he's he, from the Bronx. He was a mobster. 
Yeah, he was a mobster. That, that's uh, that's why he became kind of a smuggler in the context of Rapture was that he had mafia connections on the surface world. And then when he came down to Rapture, even though Rapture was supposed to be this perfect place where everybody could live out their individual happy lives. And this, again, gets to that philosophical aspect of the game. Um, it doesn't work out that everybody gets to be there. There's. Bottom line, there still have to be janitors and, you know, a lower class that cleans up after everybody who's having a great time living out their objectivist lives. And those people basically, you know, they want to live the high life as well. Hence, this guy Fontaine who comes in, he has connections on the surface and he smuggles in cheaper goods from the surface, which is kind of what ignites or at least that's how I interpreted it. And also ignites a lot of the conflict with Ryan. And 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 another uh, reason it kind of gets ignited is one of the one of the conditions to live in Rapture is to not have contact with the outside world. Right. It's it's it, it the whole point is to stay away from them and 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 not um involve yourself. And and he very clearly broke that in in in. Not only just breaking that condition, but for his own personal gain uh, within so, their realm. From what I understood, Andrew Ryan wanted very specific people to come into this underwater city that he created. But then Fontaine kind of brought you, like you said, people that to like kind of in sl- slaves in a way, like people to to do like the the lower work so that other higher people can live more happily. Is that what you were saying, Jason? No, no, no. I, w- I was just saying from what I understood from from all the tapes and everything, just naturally there grew, even though a bunch of people who, you know, were these specific types of people, quote unquote, uh, that initially came to Rapture just as a natural function of a society. Mm-hmm. There grew to be a hierarchy an upper. An upper cl- yeah, exactly. A hierarchy. And the lower part of the hierarchy looked to this guy, Fontaine, who was a smuggler uh, for cheaper goods. I mean, essentially, which is in and of itself, you know, free market working. Fontaine could get you cheaper shit. And he worked, we found out, we find out with Tenenbaum to produce these cheap plasmids and such to basically arm the lower class against Ryan. Yeah, and, and this results in a civil war that essentially tears Rapture apart and creates the situation we find ourselves in when we get there. Gotcha. One last thing I wanna I wanna discuss from a design perspective before we, we move on uh, regarding the "Would You Kindly" uh, twist. It really. It provides a reason for you doing all the things that you're doing. Like you're, you suddenly just find yourself in in this this weird, scary place, and a mysterious person just starts telling you what to do. How would that work in a real life scenario? How would it work in a real life scenario to just trust this man and go about doing all these? things 
um, just to get to this other man to potentially kill him because you're right. told to do it. This gives a reason. This gives a justification for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said in the beginning of the show, the the audio tapes. He just showed up out of nowhere and started telling you what to do and guiding you and you know helping you get out of the rapture. But um, it would it, any person would be skeptical of that and just be like, "Well, who the fuck are you? Like, where'd you come from? Where, where where's that voice coming from?" They wouldn't like actually follow that voice so yeah and it really shows that fontaine was really behind this all along kidnapping you modifying you sending you to the surface only to come back years later and and just set all of these events in motion yeah and and the reason why he chose you as a player aka jack is because he had the he was able to access the vita chambers and stuff like that um that because he had the dna of his father which is the only DNA that can access as Atlas, certain areas. As Atlas put it, it all flows back to Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we let's move on to the the last major section of the game. Uh the last four areas, the uh, Olympus Heights, Apollo Square, Point Prometheus and facing Fontaine. Um Fontaine still has like some sort of mind control over you. You have to go get these uh, what are they like antidotes? Yeah, some, some, some sort of solution to break the the mind control. Yeah, it's basically the game. Then from that point becomes kind of fetch questy in that you're really just running around these areas grabbing stuff. I mean, once once you break the mind control, which does have some impact on the gameplay because during that period of time, like your health is over time Fighting. reduced yeah like your your maximum health is being reduced by uh fontaine um that part i hated but i really yeah. like the next part the next part you are chasing fontaine down he locks you out of an area that you can only access with a big sister or a little sister so you have to become a big daddy which then leads to you running around finding a bunch of equipment to fit yourself out like a big daddy and you got to find some pheromones or like perfume or whatever cologne that the little sisters apparently are attracted it's, to it, it's it's uh, pheromones <laughs> pheromones i don't yeah i don't remember what it was something that smells i guess nice for little girls which is kind of oh weird God. to say it is uh, very weird good lord jason uh, to be clear, then, this is not the part that I was insinuating I liked, but f- f- go ahead, finish. The, uh, but this is the part I personally liked, which is where you actually have to defend a little sister as she uh, helps you get, not only open that initial door, but helps you get through a small section leading up to the final boss, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is Fontaine, who at this point, with all the atom he's injected himself with, has essentially become... Literally, uh, if you're familiar with Atlas, you know, if you've ever seen the cover of Atlas Shrugged, Ayn Rand's novel, just a big golden man. <laughs> um, the part, uh, the part that you glossed over that I, that I kind of liked, because after your health is deep being depleted, you get the first 
bit of solution, the next part before you get the next, the last piece of solution. Or whatever, oh, oh, oh. When, was where... when your plasmids go on the fritz. I got you. I actually, oh, we're yeah. Basically, we're basically, you can't select what plasmid you're using. Yeah, and I, I weirdly liked that because it, it got me to try plasmids I'd never really Absolutely. experimented with before. And also, gotcha. I magically had ones that I'd never even bought. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, so did I. The yeah. Cyclone one just magically was in my repertoire, yeah, and I could use right. that, and I just found I that so bees. cool. I had the, the bees. bees. You didn't. I was just thinking. I was thinking of Nicolas Cage. You didn't buy and, the bees uh, before Wicker Man. No, I never bought the Wicker Man plasmid. The Wicker Man. <laughs> You're just gonna call it the Wicker Man plasmid. Not the bees. <laughs> They're in my eyes. <laughs> uh. To anybody listening, yes, please go go rent the Wicker Man, starring the the great Nicolas Cage. Um, but so, yeah, yeah so if there's the anything end... to really take away from this from this podcast, it's go listen, go watch the Wicker Man by by Nicholas. <laughs> we're featuring Nicolas Cage. Uh, but the final boss. Oh, before we get uh, to that. Oh, sorry. I wanna, sorry. No, it's okay. I I want to I want to double back to Sander Cohen while you're in Olympus Heights. Um, if you guys didn't kill him, like I didn't, you can go into his apartment and he's there. That's why I couldn't access that room. Mm-hmm. Cause like yeah. when you're in that main last area, they have like, it says Sandra Cohen on like a uh, awning or some shit. And then you go in there, you could explore like a library and all these things. But then there was a room that I couldn't access. And I think there's yeah. a trophy for it. There is because <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, Yeah. You go into his apartment, he's having two splicers dance and doesn't want you to interrupt them. Um, so once you interrupt them, and you can interrupt them either by just blatantly attacking them or they're dancing to piano music, so you can just start, go up to the piano and just start fucking with it, and they will <laughs> attack you. So once you kill them, he comes out of that room to attack you, and that's when I killed him. I wish I would have done that. Yeah, because in in that room that you couldn't access, there is the twelfth and last uh, weapon upgrade system, or uh, uh, whatever terminal. Yeah, uh, and there's also a trophy for taking a picture of Sander Cohen's dead body. Gotcha. I think gotcha. I believe that trophy is called Irony. <laughs> nice. But that is the end of the tale of Sander Cohen. Y- yeah. Quick question. Quick. Uh, question um so olympus heights was that like where all the bougie people lived because that's kind of the sense i got i yeah yeah uh, yeah i mean i guess uh, no, and also just from the fact that every every apartment that you went into was a major character like yeah Tenenbaum, 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 yeah dr so soju whatever <laughs> soju <laughs> i don't remember and and also those apartments were just ritzy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. super ritzy. Like you walk in and there's a huge bathroom with like a huge tub just square in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It it's just nuts. And and right before we get to that area when we're getting the big daddy suit, I don't know if we mentioned that, that you basically become a big daddy yeah. before you're about yeah. to fight Fontaine. Um there, you see, like, there's an orphanage where, like, all the little sisters are chilling. Um, it, it's pretty messed up that, like, Tannenbaum and Fontaine, like, 
basically encouraged poor families that needed help to have like their daughters come in and become these little sisters just to like harvest Adam. Like that's the part about Tannenbaum that I thought was really made her almost more messed up than Fontaine. But the counter is that she, she definitely is guilty and wants to atone for it. Yes. Right. Which, which again, it, it does give her some sort of redemption arc. Yeah. One, one of the key, the key, key questions of objectivism is it useful for men to have values at all? There is no moralism. There is only rational egoism. <laughs> I love how I love how deep Jason's getting tonight. <laughs> Me too. It's but, really um, just it's it's so beautiful. So yeah, let's we the, if the we want to jump game, in just yeah to the final boss and the rest of the, the game. The rest of the game and the final the final boss. I I thought the final boss was kind of easy. Which again yes. I, goes into the what we were talking about before. Um the scaling. Yeah. I it is a very common criticism of this game. The, that whole final act, um, post would you kindly is is kinda weak. I didn't think the that it as a whole was as weak as the general consensus gives it, but that final boss definitely sucks ass. Yeah, yeah. he he, he... You're basically just like injecting or taking out Adam because he has like a buttload of Adam in him, and then he changes an element. So like he'll go like all fiery or he'll go ice, and so you want to change your plasmid to like attack him accordingly. Maybe. I didn't even use plasmids. I just shot the <laughs> shit out of him with it al- exploding. It almost would have been more interesting is if he like went through more phases, but didn't just have like elemental ones. Right. Like if if he did have a phase where he became Nicolas Cage with the bees uh, or, or even the cyclones or, or enemies do start popping out. Like what if he got hypnotized big daddy and got a big daddy on his side and you guys had to fight for the, 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 the attention of the big daddy or something like, I honestly, I honestly didn't even want a final boss. I, I would have preferred an ending where there was some sort of, not cinematic, but like first-person interaction, similar to how you interacted with Ryan. I think this was at the the, the problem was that this was at a point in two thousand seven, where I guess cinematic storytelling and, and games with more of a narrative focus couldn't find a, a nice or um, well constructed way to do that. So final bosses were still deemed uh, a formality. And right. they felt maybe. we need to do something, so let's give them this. Not realizing right, maybe. that maybe nothing would have been better, or or something will... less uh, ridiculous. I will say that I did love what happens once you do beat the boss in terms of um, the little sisters all the, all the, jump yeah, him. All the all the girls coming <laughs> out and like fucking stabbing them to death with the atom needles. <laughs> yeah. Like yo, they're like just totally making the dude OD on meth- methamphetamines. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you kind of wanted an ending like Wolfenstein, uh, where like the big head honcho, you just kind of go up to it and it, dead, and there's no like real combat sequence. Yeah, something like yeah, or yeah, just something. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think the the um. 
I didn't think that the combat system of the game really lent itself to bosses to begin with. Mm. Just because designing a boss almost inherently requires taking away choices, and Bioshock's gameplay is all about choice. Gotcha. And it's also hard to do like a good a, a, a good boss fight, I guess, against when when, when it's just a first person shooter. Like I don't I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of many good examples of bosses that that occur in a first person shooter. Right, and even games with storied um storied campaigns like Halo or Half-Life um, even they, they they more have sequences rather than bosses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um counter to your point though we after the final boss we do get like some sort of cinematic ending. And even that, I don't know about you, I found that to be completely underwhelming. I found it to be underwhelming then. I found it to be underwhelming now. I honestly didn't remember the ending till I replayed it, so I guess it was underwhelming in that sense. But there's multiple endings, and so the good ending is that the little sisters go to the surface with you, and you grow old with them, and they get you. They go to school and they get married and it's just like a real happy rinky dink ending which is supposed to be the the right ending yeah, i think that is the canon the that is the canon, the canon. In bioshock yeah and then the bad ending is you go to the surface i'm sorry the splicers go to the surface and um yeah you un- you unleash you're given command of the city and you basically bring plasmids and splicers and everything to the surface world which I think is cooler, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's kind of, it almost reminds me of um, what was it though? Was it Fallout Three, where there was kind of that vague or no? Well, New Vegas is different because New Vegas it it changed, you know, vastly depending on you know, what path you took, but it was just like a narration. Um, but maybe it was Fallout 3 where there was just that vague narration of what happens after. I don't remember which Fallout it was, but I remember it, it reminds me of those sorts of games where they're just like, and so the traveler went on and did yada, yada, yada. It was basically, <laughs> it was basically Tenenbaum narrating like, I did not expect you to go back to the surface, but you did. And you gave them a new opportunity and there's just a little movie showing like their hands and your hands growing old. It, I, I agree, it's a little underwhelming, especially considering what came. I think it's more considering what came before it. Um, with Ryan basically ordering you to fucking bash his head in with a golf club just because he wants to maintain his own free will over how he dies. Like something that, like, insanely crazy not to mention the twist that you're his son and you're being mind controlled by a fucking mobster like yeah that was a more climactic sort of yeah it's like you reach this this massive high point and it's so up there that you can only go downhill from there like how do you how do you go forward from that how do you progress from that that moment that's one of the most 
iconic and memorable moments in video game history at this point. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things where you can't sit down and think of a better ending, but you're going to say till the cows co- come home that there definitely is a better one out there. Yeah, because like, how is it that all these little sisters, none of them went crazy after all this shit? Like, they're all totally normal. All got married, you know. Oh, that's because they fine. they started finally getting that uh, vitamin C from the sun. <laughs> vitamin D. <laughs> oh, oh, wrong one. Sorry, they started getting the vitamin D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they would they would be like fucking albinos, dude. <laughs> Legit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Well, what's up, Delilah? Sorry. No, no, no. I just want to say I don't think we talked enough about the like this game has such good ambience um and i don't think we really touched on like like how creepy but fun it was like it was like carnival-esque kind of but horror creepy like just that the ambiance of the game i i don't think we touched yeah on, no but... i i we we touched a little bit on at the beginning i because just when i i I feel that the medical pavilion and the whole intro sequence is probably the the most horror-esque section of the game yeah and it really helps us set that atmosphere but that that's that doesn't really ever go away obviously yeah, you, you as all... you go on uh you get less terrified or horrified or or whatever uh by the things that are surrounding you uh just because you've been surrounded by them long enough yeah like like uh, on one hand you hear like creepy like pipe clanks and like big daddy thumps which is kind of reminiscent but not as good as like Mr. X and Resident Evil 2, which we talked about last episode. So check it <laughs> right, out. <yeah. laughs> but then you hear like these carnival S sounds coming from the vending machines that kind of makes you feel like you're having fun at a theme park. And it's just like a weird disparity. Of... Welcome to the circus of value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of contrasting tone. Like on one hand, you have the aesthetic of. 1950s urban architecture these grand buildings skyscrapers kind of that are that rapture really uh what's the word um represents versus like you just mentioned the vending machine clown like at the same time that uh carnival-esque uh and the horror aesthetic i don't know what i'm saying it's late (laughs) it's late we we record the show late (laughs) <laughs> you put in in the notes that you wanted to talk about like future yeah well, there's like, a will it ever come back there's a few other questions um as, as far as philosophy we, we talked a lot about philosophy thanks jason thanks jason <laughs> yeah we talked a lot more about philosophy <laughs> than i was prepared for um i didn't sorry i didn't the game did its homework but i sure as hell didn't sorry about that jason um well you did the homework of the history of ken levine so oh my god yeah i sure <laughs> did but uh yes has, has there ever been a game that's explored any of these ideas uh at, at, certainly bioshock you know came out in 2007 well, not, it's not been these ones specifically but... right but like any any uh, those philosophies any other philosophy uh, topics since Bioshock in 2007. It's been 12 years. Like, have we... I don't want to necessarily get into specifics of, like, how they do it, how they explore it, but have we really seen any examples that have come close? I, th- I think if it's happened, it's just not done as well. 
Right, like metal, the only thing I could think of was the Metal Gear series, and I think we all know as much as we love Hideo Kojima, that dude is not a philosophizer. Nah, he's much more influenced by film than philosophy. But yeah, there is a yeah. lot of I will agree there there is a there is a ton of philosophy to be explored, in um, a lot of his games and and games within that series. Uh, another another example I kind of would like to bring up, again, without getting too much uh, into how or why, and I, I think this would actually be a great game to explore in the future for us uh, in another episode of Reap the Spoils. Uh, Spec Ops The Line? Mm, I never played right. that. I haven't played it either. That <clears throat> I think um, it's, it's very inspired by a uh, specific novel. Won't say which one, but... Uh, really explores player choice and uh, consequences to actions, and and that's kind of where I'll leave right. it. Oh, the game and, that and... comes to mind for me is Detroit Become Human. Oh, or or really, I guess any of those uh, any any games. Well, no, I I I I think that's actually a really good example. Not even just from a, a consequences to action standpoint, but what it means to be human. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What were you going to say, Jason? Oh, no. All I was going to say was just spinning off of what Mark had said, how the game emphasizes choice. I think that's an important thing to note, to (laughs) really establish with Bioshock as well as that, again, wrapping up that quote I laid down (laughs) and the story, you know, what Ryan does, you know, in that climactic moment. And then going back to what we were discussing with gameplay, how really the variety and the options that you are given, choice is kind of at the center of everything with Bioshock. I think that's what sets it apart and makes it so unique. And the choice of focusing philosophically on objectivism, because objectivism, above all, kind of... um, focuses on individual extreme individual individualism and free will and choice uh it's kind of a natural pairing making that focus on choice kind of the identity of the game um so you know i haven't played spec ops the line but if that is kind of the central th- I, I could see how <laughs> it could be um somewhat equivalent in terms of its more philosophical approach to to uh, gameplay, yeah, that's deep, man. That's deep. <laughs> I I try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, my last question: Are we ever going to see Bioshock again? <laughs> actually predicted this for our last e3 prediction show that there would be a new bioshock hold on and okay i i now i need to know if that's if that's true because i don't remember that prediction but i i kind of believe that that's a prediction you'd make yeah because i do crazy ones yeah a new bio new bioshock revealed it would be darker in tone from infinite that is yes Um, from infinite and go back to the rapture and after playing this game, I'm trying to think of how that would work. And all I can think of is, like, those slugs, like, you know, somehow eating up, like, a giant, like, 
octopus and then the octopus gets fished up and served as calamari at a restaurant <laughs> and then like a well, bunch of people. I don't I don't think actually no. The Bob Shack and Infinite did eventually get connected to the original story with the DLC. Yes, but yes. So, I, don't, I don't want to get too deep into that. Yeah, no well <laughs> what I was gonna say was I don't I don't think really they can go or I mean, I was originally going to say that the third game didn't have anything really to do with the first one, but mm-hmm. then I would have I would have been wrong. I, I remember that there was that DLC. I I would actually more expect Ken Levine to uh, to come forward with a new uh, IP, mm. but one that you know obviously Bioshock took a lot of gameplay elements from System Shock. Uh, I could see a new IP that borrows a lot of elements from Bioshock, but that but tries to introduce new things and and be its own thing. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what happened to the Bioshock game Ken said was coming to Vita. Oh, really? I, just, I didn't know that. Yeah, he said that he said we want to bring Bioshock to the Vita, and every, all the Vita owners were like, "Yeah," and we've <laughs> never gotten that. <laughs> Well, wow. Ken Levine says a lot of things. Hey, you know, you, like not thirty seconds ago, you pronounced his name correctly, so you didn't even notice. Uh, must, must have been a slip of the tongue. All right. <laughs> so, will we ever see Bioshock again? Who knows? But maybe when we do, we'll go ahead and grab that and further reap the spoils. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's I wrap. see what you did there. Uh-huh. Hey, all right, let's wrap it up. Delilah, what you playing? Besides Bioshock. Oh, oh, um, oh I just platinumed the Division 2. What the fuck? <laughs> Fucking all of you, both of you, you trophy whores, both of you. <laughs> and I'm continuing Devil May Cry. I'm on chapter 15, 14, uh, mission 14, so I should be done with that soon. Oh, okay. Mortal Kombat 11 should be coming tomorrow, and then Days Gone Friday. So that that'll I'll, anything else I have like Sekiro, which I started, and um, Metro Exodus, which I started and stopped, and other things. I have a backlog, so I've been playing like the <laughs> beginning of game, beginning of games, and stopping. But the Division was the last game that I finished wholeheartedly, and so gotcha. the next one will be Devil May Cry 5, and then Days Gone. I still gotta play that, and then Days. <sighs> <laughs> it's too much. Stop playing Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, really. Play. Stop playing Overwatch. I, I was playing over. I played two rounds today. I won both of them because nice. I'm because I'm Anna because I rock. <laughs> I'm an old Egyptian bitch. So that's little. That, that's all ass. you've. That's all you've done in the past month is play Overwatch. No, I played Bioshock. <laughs> What the? Are you are you a fucking idiot? What the hell we've we been talking about for an hour and a half? Oh my god. Um, out of curiosity, what trophy level are you guys? I'm like one percent away from twenty six. I am level thirty. How? How? And I have no. I, no after... I mean, how? Like, I'm like level twelve, and I have like one platinum, and you guys have like yeah. Well, you don't go for billion... platinums. But but no, but I'm saying you guys have like billions of platinums and you're only level oh, well, twenty six and thirty. As, as you increase in level, it takes more points to get uh, to the next level. 
Uh, that that one makes it's sense. Like yeah. an RPG progression, Jason. <laughs> yeah, like... I didn't think of that. Um, <laughs> I'm at 103 platinums now. Whoa! Wow, that was quite a jump. Did you play My Name Is Mayo or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. I uh, no. I, I well, last we last we talked, uh, I got the plat for Kingdom Hearts three. Nice. And uh, a couple other Another ones. Another game I didn't play. Um, yeah, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I had no plans on playing. I, I got this Kingdom Hearts since. I I got the Bioshock <laughs> plat. And I also did the DLC, which we don't really need to talk about because it was just a bunch of challenge rooms, but it was actually kind of fun. And uh, I, I don't remember the other plates that I got. Nice. Just, you know, go for the trophies, dude. You know me. You know how it bees. <laughs> um, the bees. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, still playing Beat Saber every now and then, and oh, cool. I'm still chugging away at Final Fantasy IX, Jason. Wow. Ever, ever so slightly making progress on that. Okay. Ever so wow. slowly. Oh, and I also picked back up Borderlands. Oh. Because uh, the nice. Game of the Year edition for one came out uh, on PS4, so I've been playing that a is, little bit. Is is it much different from the Handsome Collection? Um, I mean, it looks a lot. Well, not now the 4K is out on both. I'm sure if I boot up Handsome Collection, it'll look just as pretty, but. Borderlands 1 of 4K is really pretty. Nice. 4K HDR both. It's very, very nice. I gotta jump back in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very nice. So anyway, uh, you just listened to the second episode of Reap the Spoils. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Wow, I finally nice. got that stuff working. Uh, yeah, I kind of forgot to make that uh, readily known and with links, so I'll get that together soon. Probably when this episode goes live, uh, I'll make that a very obvious on how you can subscribe on those channels, those services, uh, because I know a lot of you like to listen on things that aren't YouTube, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. But you can find us on those things to listen to the show you can talk to us uh at the facebook group which you could just find if you search dead cell media mm-hmm. uh on facebook follow us talk to us engage with us uh we definitely want feedback um and if you are listening on itunes or google play or spotify throw us a review let us know how, you're, how we're doing if you have any suggestions mm-hmm. if you want to yell at jason for talking too much philosophy and, fuck off, yeah. and, play, <laughs> and play it too much overwatch um yeah like let us know we want we want to know uh what you, what you think if, if you think i'm sexy even though you can't see me yeah if you could, if you could just hear it in my voice leave a comment <laughs> god um and you can also find us on Twitter that we have the uh the Dead Cell Media account at Dead Cell Media. You can find me at Nibblehymian. You can find Jason at Solid Quas. That's S O L I D K W A S. Totally my Twitter handle. And you can find Delilah at Assassina underscore San. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
I, I like for the for, like for the longest time. I, I we I think Jason kept putting in the hyphen instead of an underscore, yeah. and we realized, oh, no one can find you. But <laughs> yes, follow us there, engage with us, talk to us, tell us if we suck. We don't care. We want to know. Yeah. Uh and yeah, this was Mark Sullivan, Delilah Lugo, and Jason Kwasniewski. And join us next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.